Acts chapter 1. Please turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. I'd like to ask you to pray for my brother-in-law tonight. Uh, Dad just told me a minute ago, and I didn't even know that he's still in the hospital. He had back surgery Thursday, I believe, and he may get to go home tomorrow or Tuesday, but he's got some, some drainage coming out of his back, and they're waiting on that to stop. Uh, he's 45 years old, and so my sister's there with him, and they're not getting a whole lot of rest, so pray for him. His name's Michael Wilson, and he's at the Cookville Hospital, so we'll probably run over there and see him. Acts chapter 1, verse number 1, if you'll stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Pray for me tonight. Uh, I, I don't feel, I'm not that tired, but but this thing I brought back with me is just kind of getting at me tonight inside of my head, so... I'm a little I'm a little stopped up. Acts chapter 1 verse 1. If you're there, please say amen. amen. Everybody smile real big. And uh, if, if you're here, you need to be happy about being here. There's a lot of people that don't have the privilege that we have tonight. Did you know that? People would love to have your seat tonight. You could go over to the nursing home and find some folks that would trade just about anything they have to be sitting in your seat tonight. So we need to be happy be in the house of the Lord. Acts chapter 1, verse number 1. It says, The former treaties I have made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, Will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for the many blessings that you've given us. God, for the good day that we've had, for the good service we had this morning, God, we lift you up. Lord, I just pray that you would touch me tonight. God, use me as your vessel. Lord, let everything that's said and done here tonight be to your glory. God, I just pray that you would just touch the church. God, let us know that the time is drawing near for your return. And God, let us be about your business, knowing that there are things that need to be done. God, we praise you. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Acts chapter 1, I, I love the book of Acts, it's, it's, it's a good book because it speaks, speaks literally of the, of the actions of the apostles. It's what the apostles did 
And it's how the church got started and where we went with the church. Now, it would, it would not be that good if Jesus would have just said, well, I'm going up into heaven and, and, and you guys are just left to your own. He said, but you've got some things to do. He said that the church has got some things that they need to be doing. And Jesus gave this command. He told them in Acts chapter 1, he said, that he, he said it in this, the last few verses in verse 8, he says, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come, and you shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, you need to understand that when Jesus said that you were to be witnesses, he started at home. See, Jerusalem was home. He was talking about the home area that they were in. They were just outside of Jerusalem when he said this. And he says that you're going to be witnesses starting at home. He said, don't stop there. He says, you go on. He says to, to Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth, and here we are in the uttermost part of the earth. And so the church got kicked off. And in the Acts chapter number 2 is really where the sermon's going to start tonight. The Holy Ghost comes upon them. Now, the Holy Ghost is something that should not scare you as a free will Baptist. Amen? A free will Baptist act like that the Holy Ghost, the, the, the Pentecostals and the charismatic people, that they've kind of got dibs on the Holy Ghost. But that's absolutely not true. As, as a free will Baptist, we, we should, when somebody says Holy Ghost, you should know that that's no more than the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And that should make you happy. That should give you comfort that, that God actually takes up residence in your heart. So we know Acts chapter 2, if, I'm not going to go into that real deep, but we know what happens in Acts chapter number 2, that the, the disciples are gathered together and they're praying and, and they're asking God to, to give them something and then all of a sudden it says like just a mighty rushing wind comes in and that the Holy Ghost comes down upon them and that something happens, that, that the church that day when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, that the church of Jesus Christ kicked off that day. That it was just like if you were at a football game, there's all that anticipation, all that buildup, and then it's kicked off and everything began. And so here we are, continuing in that, continuing 2,000 years later. But there are just a few things I want to bring out very quickly, and as long as my voice will last, about the, the early church and what they did. See, this is not a complicated thing. Church is not a hard thing to do. We have, we have a lot of things that we do, a lot of a busy work things. But, but the church was not designed to be complicated. When Jesus gave us the command to go into all the world, he didn't say it had to be hard. He just said, there's a few things that you do. He says, and if you'll do those things, everything will work like it's supposed to. See, when God gives you a command, when God says to do something a certain way, you do it that way. You don't add your way to it. You don't, you don't add your little, your little uh, uh, add it to the recipe that God gives. You just do what God says. And if we'll do that, everything else will take care of itself. Did you know that? That the, the church will multiply, that the church will grow if we do it God's way. And so when the Holy Ghost came and they started preaching, some things happened. Acts chapter number 2, verse number 29 says this. Peter starts preaching. Now we know that Peter was somewhat of a loud mouth, that Peter, sometimes his mouth would get him into trouble, would it not? Sometimes Peter would say things and he would do things that, that, that just didn't, wasn't real good, like when he chopped the gentleman's ear off there when they came to arrest Jesus. And, and so many things, it says that he denied Jesus. But when the Holy Ghost came, Peter changed. And so we have the first Holy Ghost anointed sermon 
here in Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter 2, verse number 29 says this. Peter's preaching. He says, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and that his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this, therefore, before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all our witnesses. The first thing that the church must do before it does anything else is it has to exalt God. That we have to exalt the Savior, that we have to make God the forefront of every single thing that we do. When Peter was preaching here and he started preaching, he said, he said before anything else, he says in verse number 32, he says that, that, that Jesus, this Jesus hath God raised up, that he had, had put him in a preeminent place, that he had put him at the head of the church, and he exalted God. So the first thing that we need to understand as a church, if we're going to accomplish anything for the kingdom of God, is that we have to exalt the Savior that we have to lift him up, that we have to worship him, that we have to praise him and put him in his rightful place, which is above everything else that we do. See, we've, we've, we've kind of done some things and we've put other things, if we're not careful, right up there with, with the Lord Jesus. We've put ourselves up there sometimes. We put our careers and our jobs and, and everything else ahead of him in our lives and we wonder why things are going like they're going. It's because Jesus is not put in his proper place in our lives. In our churches, you would think that, that when you would go into a church, every single church, that you would see the Lord at the forefront of everything, but that's often not the case. Often you, you see a, a many other things at the forefront of it. But Peter, under the inspiration of God, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, when he was filled with the Holy Ghost, he says, before you do anything else, he says, you lift up God. You notice he was preaching to a bunch of Jews here. If you know anything about Acts chapter 2, you'll know that the Passover is taking place and all the Jews are gathered in Jerusalem at this time. And Peter steps out and he's preaching to a bunch of, of Jewish people, a bunch of priests and a bunch of pilgrims that have come to Jerusalem to serve God. And he looks and he says, and what I just read, he said, you, he said, you highly exalt David. See, these Jews, they thought a lot of David. King David, and rightfully so, he was a man after God's own heart. But he said, listen, I'm going to tell you about one that's better than David, and that is Jesus. Put nothing in front of him. And the number one thing that we have to do is exalt the Savior. And after that, we read on in, into verse number 37. And it says, and now, and he preaches to them. And I'll just go ahead and read from verse 33 down to 37. He says, therefore, he says, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he is, saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, the Lord said unto my Lord, set thou at my right hand till I make thy foes thy footstool. He says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? 
Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He said that, that when, when I want you to see that there's a pattern here. There's something that we see is that when God is rightfully put where he belongs, when Jesus has put at the forefront of everything, something natural happens, something takes place. And it took place right here that when they exalted the Savior, then suddenly they started evangelizing the sinners. Do you see that? That these Jewish people, even though they were good, they were living in their own righteousness. You read through the, back through the Gospels and how the, that these Pharisees and these folks, these zealous Jews, they were depending on their self. And they were depending on their righteousness. But they heard that Jesus was at the forefront of everything. He says, the, the one that you have crucified. I think when Peter said that to those Jews, he might have pointed his finger at those guys and he said, you crucified him. It says, and when they heard these words, what does it say after that? That they were pricked in their heart. That they were convicted that, that the Holy Ghost came upon them, this same Holy Ghost that Peter just got, that had filled him and allowed him to begin to preach. This same Holy Ghost began to go out into the crowd and began to deal with their hearts. See, when, when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of us, it'll, it's going to get a hold of other people. Did you know that? It's going to go out and it's going to penetrate hearts and it's going to deal with people and God's going to deal with them. And so they asked the question. Peter didn't have to prompt them. Peter didn't have to beg them. He didn't have to say anything. They said, what must we do? And he says, repent. He says, repent. He says, in the name of Jesus, he said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want you to understand, church, that after we start exalting the Savior, we have to start evangelizing the sinners. People are dying and going to hell real fast, aren't they? Like that right there. Just people are dropping off into eternity. As we were sitting uh, over in Israel, and, and I'll probably mention this a lot, but Tanner was sitting there right next to me on a train, and, and I hate public transportation, by the way. Too many people you don't know real close to you. But I was looking at all these people, and, and people that probably didn't even speak my language, people that I was seeing for the very first time, and I just, it just, and I've thought it a hundred times, but it came to me that every one of those people on that train had a soul that's going to go somewhere. That one of these days that they're going to they're going to die, or Jesus is going to come back, one of the two, and their soul's going to go somewhere. It's either going to go to heaven or it's going to go to hell. And when you start looking at people in, the, in that light, I believe it'll change you. It'll change you. You go out into the world and, and people that you see at Walmart and, and, and just wherever, that they have an eternal soul that's going to spend eternity somewhere. That ought to open your eyes. That ought to wake you up. And Peter looked at these guys and he pointed his finger. And he said, you crucified Jesus. He said, but you've got a soul. And that soul had to be saved. And so many people are, are dying and, and, and no doubt going to hell. While I've preached this sermon, just so thus far, no telling how many people have died and met eternity, and they were not prepared for it. We need to be we need to be evangelizing people. I want you to understand, church, that it's not just my job as the pastor to go tell the world about Jesus. Mark, if is Mark in here? There he is, right there. Mark's the youth pastor here, but that's not just his job. It's our job as a church.
to evangelize the world. I can't, I can't go see everybody. I can't build that relationship and that repertoire with everybody and tell them about Jesus. That's for everybody to do. And if, if you'll get a hold of that and you'll look at people that they have an eternal soul, it should open your eyes and you should be concerned. You should have compassion. And Peter told him. He was honest with him. Peter, that's one thing I love about him, is he was blunt. And he says that all you have to do is just repent, he said, and you can have the remission of sins. They evangelized sinners. All these things that we do, they're good. But if they're not bringing people to Christ, then why are we doing them? That's our objective, is to bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? Or is everybody with me? Are you awake tonight? But you read on down, and he says in verse 39, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as God, as many as the Lord our God shall call. He says, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. He says, Then they gladly received his word, were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Well, that would be a logistical nightmare, wouldn't it, to have to baptize 3,000 people. But what a joy that would be. We'd have to tag in and take turns, wouldn't we? And so all of a sudden, Peter went from having a church of about 12 guys or 11 other guys besides him to looking out and there are 3,000 people that have now come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. 3,000. I mean, talk, talk about a boom right there. 3,000 in one sermon. And so Peter, he said that, that, that you come, he said, and they were saved and then they broke up into churches they went back home. See, all these people were not from Jerusalem. If you read it earlier in the chapter and in the rest of chapter number one, you'll find out that these people were from everywhere. And I believe that God had that in his divine providence, that all these people from all these different nations were in the one spot for a good reason. And you know what that reason was? So that the gospel could be spread. So that it didn't just stop in Jerusalem, but these Jews that were saved, that they could take this gospel and they could take it back with them to wherever they were from and spread the gospel. And so then they had the church. And as we read on in verse number 42, and it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And it says, And all that, that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possession and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Verse 46, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat, them, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God. And having favor with all people, and the Lord added unto the church daily such as should be saved. See, they had a church, but it says this, that they sold all their possessions and their goods and parted to them every, as every man had need. And so the church, they got together, and you know what they started doing? They started encouraging one another. 
If there was somebody that was, that, was, that was destitute, somebody that was in need, somebody that was hungry, they provided for that need. They would encourage each other. That's what we need in our churches today is encouragement. See, we need encouragement, and we all, we need. And if we'll encourage each other, we'd be a whole lot better off. Did you know that? We need to encourage one another, but we also need to do something else. We also need to encourage one another, but we also need to edify the church. See, they edified the church. They built the church. I guarantee that these folks, as they went out, it says that they were in one accord. You know what that means? That they didn't have differing opinions, that they weren't backbiting each other, that they were not, they were not talking bad about denominations. But you know what they were doing? They were in one accord and they came together and they loved each other. If we need to do anything besides encourage each other, we also need to edify the church. You know what edification is? It's to build up. I tell you what, sometimes if we're not careful, we spend a lot of time tearing down, don't we? We spend a lot of time tearing down. I think if we're not careful, sometimes we, we help Satan and the forces of evil out by, by, by tearing the church down, don't we? By talking bad about each other. You know, we love nothing more than to, to, to hear something bad happen to a church down the road. We just like to hear about that, it seems like. Somebody, we want to go tell something like that. If a church down the road splits or if something bad happens, boy, we like to run and tell that. We're not edifying the church if we're doing that. I want you to understand, I've said this and I'll keep saying it. It's not about free will Baptists. It's not about Baptists. It's not about Pentecostals, Methodists, Presbyterians, anything else. It's about the church of Jesus Christ. And I understand that we have differing beliefs. I get that. But if you believe that Jesus came and died and rose again, and that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us, if, if a church believes that, then they're on to something. If they believe that, then, then they're on to something. We may have our minor differences. We may have our little doctrines that we don't agree on. But if a church preaches Jesus, then I don't want to tear them down. If, if we're doing that, boy, we're, we're, just, we're just making a mess out of it. And it's already a mess. We don't need to stir the mess up any worse, do we? We need, to be, we need to be encouraging one another. We need to be edifying other churches, lifting them up. Churches need prayer today. We don't need to tear the church down the road up that we don't agree with. We need to lift them up in prayer. We need to build them up. We need to, to quit talking bad about them, stop tearing them down. There was a guy that, that got saved, a friend of mine, and he asked me where he needed to go to church. And like any good free will Baptist preacher, what do you think I said? Find you a good free will Baptist church? And I didn't say that. I said, you need to find a Bible-believing church. A church that preaches the Word of God. Do I believe that there are free will Baptists in this world that have, that have strayed from the Word of God? Absolutely. There's every kind of denomination that don't preach the Bible like it should be preached. But if a church is preaching the Bible, then they're on our side. I read just this week that, that Jesus said if they're, not, if they're not against us, they're for us. That, that if, if, if we go and, and we could band together, if we could just come together in churches and be in one accord, we could, we could see some things happen. It's not about us. It's bigger than we are. 
I found that out more than more than ever ever, ever, uh, ever seen in the past two weeks that there's a whole lot more to it than just us. Than just what's going on here in Cookville, Tennessee, than what's going on in Middle Tennessee. There's a worldwide church that loves Jesus. And we need to be part of that church and we need to be about the Father's business because the, the angel told the men of Galilee, he said, why are you standing here gazing up into heaven? He said, Jesus, this same Jesus that went away is going to come in like manner. That he's coming back and it's soon, it's, it's very soon, I believe that. And while we still have a chance while, while, while we still have an opportunity to go and to, to evangelize sinners, to, to exalt the Savior, we need to be doing that. It's not hard. Just do it. Just read your Bible and, and see in Acts chapter 2 what the early church did, what the first church did. If we can follow this blueprint, we can make an impact on the world that we live in. We can do something for Jesus, not for ourselves, but for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for your wonderful word. I thank you, Lord, that you told us that we need to be about your business, that we need to be out into the world. We need to not forget your great commission that you gave us to go into all the world, to teach and to preach and to baptize in your name. God, I pray that we would be concerned for the lost people that are around us. God, I pray that we would have compassion on the world. Lord, not, not hate them or not try to, try to look at them as lesser than we are, but see them as eternal souls. God, I pray that you would help us as a church to grow in your grace and knowledge. God, equip us to go out into the world and win people to you. God, I pray that each person in here tonight would understand that they're an evangelist. Lord, that they're a witness of the things that you've done in their life. And Lord, a witness goes and he just tells what he knows. God, I pray that that would be us, that we would be witnesses, Lord, starting here in Cookville, but Lord, not ending here in Cookville, that it would go into all the world. God, I pray that you would help us to know that, that this is a whole lot bigger than we are. But God, I sure am glad that you've allowed me to be part of this. Lord, that you've called me to, to do my, just my small part. God, I praise you for that. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to serve you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.